Hello and welcome back to the Cinematic Comic First podcast. I am Davis. I'm joined by my co-hosts, as always, Corey and Ryan. Guys, welcome. Thank, Thank you for you. the welcome. <laughs> you're, you're very welcome for the welcome. Um, we are, of course, doing Black Panther today. Um, your, your three favorite white podcast hosts will be picking apart the... <laughs> cultural milieu and social commentary contained within the Black Panther comics and movies, and we are excited to do it. And thousands of fingers hit the skip button. <laughs> <laughs> I did feel like I wanted to caveat this episode and say um, there is so much cultural significance and context, and I have like more just like wow thoughts. And then like, and someone else will say it better and have more personal things to say or better things. But yeah, there, there's just so much. I don't know though. Davis brought it with the discussion questions. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. They are good. Jeez. Uh, well, I, I, I hope to live up to that in, in my thoughts to the questions. Um, but you know, like we're 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 a jumping off point, right? We we are generalists in just about every sense of the word. Uh, <laughs> when when it comes to comic books, certainly, and uh, we 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 hope that our discussion today will will again be a jumping off point for a more thorough review of. I, I mean, especially the movie, just like what a beautifully well done piece that was i mean agreed All right. yeah <laughs> do it i i, I guess do do we want to talk like has anyone been doing any reading recently um in, anything that they want to shout out um i haven't been doing much other than black panther stuff but I did get an uh, ominous phone call. Well, it's not really that ominous, but a mysterious, I guess is a better word to put it, phone call from my beautiful, beloved wife, Charlotte. Oh. Okay. Uh, today, while I was at work, in which she Go asked on. me, would you have any interest in the comic Avengers Forever? which has been on my wish list for a while. Uh, it's kind of a big Kang storyline that mm. could potentially tie into movies. Uh, and then she asked about, what about Ant-Man and the Wasp? What about Detective Comics? Oh. And I was like, why are you asking me these things? And she said, don't worry about it. And okay. I wonder if it's like, I don't think it's Christmas re present related because she already bought all my Christmas presents. This is being oh. recorded before Christmas, <laughs> like five days before. Um, and so I wonder if she like has like a coworker who had a bunch and was like, hey, do you, do you want any of these or something? Oh, That's my best guess, but I, I, will, I will make sure to follow up on this when I figure out what it is. Give me the lot. I mean, I'll, I'll you know, <laughs> like I, I, I'll, I'll be responsible for redistributing the ones that, that, that don't have a place in my collection. But 
you know, who there, there's a good chance that you have many comics that I didn't realize that I needed in my collection until they were offered to me for free. Yeah. <laughs> um, so number you know first off i love getting the question like because we we are recording on december 20th i any any question you know within 30 days of today's date of hey are you interested in thing that has been on your wish list for three years yeah always a great question and never innocent and i love it yeah (laughs) i feel like i have a very firm like ryan's thought process of like why are you asking or i wonder what this is for like i have a firm like don't ask questions like if i make statements or if i say something I, I've yelled at James this month and I've been like, don't ask questions. You can't, there's no follow-up allowed. I say things, you don't, you forget about it. That's it. That's nothing else. <laughs> I, I only asked with that like 3% chance that I would immediately yeah. be gratified in getting a response. <laughs> <laughs> nope. It's December. No questions allowed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, de- December there there there's kind of a don't ask do tell policy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do any of you guys have any comic books you're hoping you'll get for Christmas that you've kind of thrown out into the ether like, "Hey, I hope I get this." Or if you get a gift card, you'll pick up. I know Corey, you you mostly do your reading on Marvel Unlimited. I do. And so I'm maybe a not huge digital person, um but my aunt so her wife um, is interested in getting into Sandman, apparently. Oh, yeah. So, so she was like, hey, what, what should I do? Um, like, like, how should I do this? I don't, like, she was just so confused. And so I was like, I did all of the research for her. Yeah. And eventually was like, just get her a couple months of um, whatever the DC version mm. of Marvel Unlimited is. It's like uh, universe, DC Universe infinite um and i was like that would be a great christmas present and so now i am kind of like why didn't i ask anyone to get me dc infinite for christmas (laughs) dang yeah uh okay i i do want to say real quick the alternative is they just released the entire sandman run in four big volumes yeah that i should have told her um and i believe she hasn't started and also they're currently living in an rv so space is precious (laughs) fair but ryan please please tell us how we can spend more money on uh physical books well i mean i think they're pretty cheap um but i actually can't remember I, I I have a um, a suggestion for anyone who is in this exact situation where they are interested in Sandman but may not know whether or not they are totally ready to dive in to comic books headfirst. You mm-hmm. you can of course just get um, Sandman Volume One and and start the story there, but. There's also kind of this like standalone prequel called Sandman Overture, which is a small trade paperback 
that you would probably be able to find fairly cheaply um, mm. that that may you know like it it's the the artwork is beautiful it gives you a brief foray into that world uh doesn't really deal with like the the storylines that you may be familiar with from the show or what you've heard uh so you know another possibility honestly so many great things and now i feel like i'm gonna be like Lindsay. here's a new shopping list also don't let Elenica listen to this episode just in case she was going to. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you want to get into it and get through it pretty quick, the apps are the way to go. Yeah. I, I do okay. I do want to start a new segment now that's like, hey, I'm interested in getting into this. And then we just tell people what to buy slash like how to get them. <laughs> <laughs> but also i feel like i should have done this before the holiday season when i was making my wish list um there's always 2023 always Ugh, a birthday is always coming up eventually right exactly um ryan i cut you off what were you saying mm, can't remember <laughs> okay oh, perfect. i do remember now uh my good friend curtis got marvel unlimited actually there's been enough Marvel stuff recently that I have a few friends who just get Marvel out, unlimited out of the blue because I love that Marvel works, whatever they're doing. Um, and I've read, I've got these four volumes of ultimate Spider-Man, but they stopped making these like ultimate collections at volume seven or something like that. And the later ones are really hard to find. So I kind of stopped reading it. And my friend Curtis got Marvel Unlimited and within like three weeks read the entire like hundred something issue run of it. And I was like, oh. I the universe is telling me something here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Is it that you're going to buy it or just read it? Mm, it's that I have to... Uh, start believing in the apps more but Ooh, i okay yes yes i i feel like i could read more if i like really just like said i'm not buying any more physical things but i do think my enjoyment is more uh, and i i actually like want to read when i've got the physical book and i do just like sitting in this office right now turning my head looking at my bookshelf it does bring me great joy. <laughs> and so it's hard for me to deny these simple pleasures for myself by spending way more money than I should. Yeah. You know what? I, I'm, I'm going to say something that people are too afraid to say. Things are cool, too. All right. Shut up, experiences. <laughs> Things are cool, too. I, I, I love experiences, but... I get a little bit peeved when around this time of year people dunk on things while while trying to lift up experiences. Both are great. Merry uh, Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> uh I was recently reminded that this is not just a platform where the three of us hang out and that people actually listen to this and they're like, "Hey, maybe uh. shorter." That's so embarrassing. 
I retract <laughs> everything. Not, not to cut this off, but... <laughs> this right. is... Well, to keep this going longer... Yes, please. This is a conversation I've had with many people, and some people like a long podcast, which I myself am one of them, am one of those people. But I have talked to many people that said, I want to get into your stuff, but it's just too long. And I'm like, I understand, <laughs> but I cannot help but talk. Of, I bottle these <laughs> things up so long and then... <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I mean, we're we're only talking every other week. There's not, there's just too much to say. But I I concede. Let's move on. Okay. Proudly, not for everyone. Okay. <laughs> um. Let's let let let's get into the comics. We we had what I think were were some really great comics to like set the set the stage for uh for Black Panther. The first one being Jungle Action number six. Uh, this this came out. Uh, I can't remember <laughs> when this one came out, but if I had to guess, I would say late sixties, early seventies. Um, I think seventies is on on money. Excellent. Um, so it this this one is significant for a couple of reasons, but most significant for the fact that we get our intro to Eric Killmonger. Um, in, in the, in the issue, T'Challa has been away and finds that the Wakandan jungle has been overrun with mercenaries and those who seek to disrupt Wakanda's peace. The Black Panther frees a captive Wakandan from a cage and listens to the man as he dies in the Panther's arms. Uh, the man's last words were that he never lost hope in T'Challa. T'Challa carries the body back into Wakanda, casting a grim shadow over what should have been his happy return. He finds Wakanda gripped by fear and resentful of his long absence. As he investigates the rumors of the attack, he hears more about Eric Killmonger. Um, upon his ascent to Warrior Falls, he finds Killmonger lying in wait alongside his leopard, Prey, with two eyes. Prey and T'Challa tussle on the edge of the falls, and at the moment of T'Challa's hard-fought victory, he's tossed over the falls by Killmonger. And that's where the issue leaves off. Um, there, So, again... Killmonger being someone looking to kind of shake up uh, how, how how things work in Wakanda is is one of the biggest things. But I think that there are some themes uh, that, that are set in this comic that we will continue to see throughout practically every story in um, in, in the Black Panther's history. One of them being. It's. It it, it 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 seems really hard for not only T'Challa to be able to kind of keep the peace among the different tribes of Wakanda, but also for him to balance his duty as as a ruler and as a superhero. Um, we 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 aren't given a ton of information about why he had been away, but one of the themes that we see throughout the comics and the MCU is. T'Challa being called away from Wakanda to try and help the larger world, but having pressures from the tribes and, and, and from his loyal subjects to be in Wakanda, to be present and, and to kind of bottle up not, not only Wakanda's natural resources, but also his particular talents and skills. Um, amazing art. There were some dated stereotypes, but also 
some fairly conscious writing. And I, I personally thought one of the most like heartbreaking moments was when, when T'Challa frees this, this man from, from the cage. Um, and you know, he, he dies in T'Challa's arm saying, I, I, I never gave up hope after bringing the body back to Wakanda uh, T'Challa has this real crisis of conscience where he says, I, I didn't even know his name. Um, and so, uh, uh, again, just go, going back to that question of, like, what are my responsibilities as the ruler of Wakanda, and how can I square those with my broader duties as a superhero? I don't know if you all had any any thoughts on that one or, you know, anything to add. If not, we can keep rolling. Um, want to mention this, uh, I don't know if, I don't think this is the first appearance of it, but it has the Warrior Falls location that we see in the movie. Mm. Yes. Um, and directly ripped right out of the comic in the movie is where, uh, Killmonger throws him off the waterfall. Right. Uh, okay. pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. And, you know, uh, the the movie definitely makes that seem like quite a tumble. But he, he, even in the comic, I mean, he was he, he was climbing for a while before he got to the top of the falls. And I'm assuming there's water, obviously, at the bottom, but still wouldn't be a, a, a very soft landing. Um, but there is a jungle action number seven and on. And so I suspect that uh, T'Challa made it out just fine i all right he did he does i skimmed number seven and it actually has a new villain that he kind of faces while killmonger's doing stuff in the background and this villain's name is venom but he has two m's in his name not to be confused with venom with one m not 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 to be confused with the very easily confusable venom with one m Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like the idea of T'Challa fighting Killmonger, getting thrown off the falls, and then immediately after landing on the bottom, running into some other new enemy. It's like, ah, T'Challa, yeah. <laughs> I've been looking for you. <laughs> All right. Um, also want to mention cool map of Wakanda. Yes. At the end of this kind of setting up like this is the world of Wakanda. Yeah, I, I I took a little screenshot of that. I, um, I did too. We we need more maps. I I, <laughs> I I just feel strongly that there are there there are maps that we need for pretty much anything in fiction. Uh, like Tolkien had a lot of great contributions to fantasy, but having a cool little map is. I don't know. He he didn't invent it, but that's what I think of when I think of cool fantasy maps is Tolkien. I yeah, there's nothing better than a good map. I know, it just yeah. Anyway, I, I'm 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 not creative enough to like imagine the topography of all these places. So sometimes for a little you know pea brain like me, I I need uh, I need some maps. Yeah. All right. I, one more thing that I just yeah. wanted to mention. I found oh, okay. <laughs> I found it I always find it interesting when there's things missing on Marvel Unlimited and 
for those who don't know what Marvel Unlimited is, just to remind people, it's Marvel's app. It's like eight bucks a month. They've got like almost like 90% of their comics are on there. And so it surprises me when stuff is missing. And I couldn't help but notice Jungle Action 1 through 5 were not on there. And these featured a character named Lozar, who I don't, I can't tell, but I imagine he's related to Kazar in some way. Ah. Uh, but the connection, I could, I searched for a bit and I could not find any connection between them. And Kazar is the ruler of the Savage Land, but. Lozar seem to be just like a generic like Tarzan ripoff, so maybe they are different. Uh, yeah. But I have no idea why it's not on Marvel Unlimited. Man. But, but I wonder. Uh, I mean, my only thought is if they if if they just straight up don't have one through five on Marvel <laughs> Unlimited. They must be racist as racist as hell. I mean, <laughs> that's that was like, my thought. <laughs> like I, I kind of worried when I when I opened up Jungle Action that it was going mm. to be pretty racist. Yeah, uh, but I thought they did an okay job of like, you know, towing the line. Now again, disclaimer. None of us are people of color. So may, maybe, may, maybe, you know, a black person reading that would be like, this is actually really offensive. But, um, you know, yeah, one, one through five, e e either that or they're like, hey, this is Tarzan. Get, you know, you copyright strike. Mm, Can't yeah. have it. All right. On to Fantastic Four. Um, this, th this was really interesting. This is the first appearance of Black Panther, um, which, like, pretty progressive for, for 1966 to not only have a a uh, black hero, but also <laughs> kind of very on the nose, na naming him Black Panther. Yeah. Uh, but quick, yeah, quick, quick rundown of... These um, are issues 52 to 53, correct? Yes. Yep. Uh, so 52 is first appearance of Black Panther. And in 53, we get kind of T'Challa's origin story and the first appearance of Claw. So 52, uh, the Fantastic Four receive a curious airship from the Black Panther, an African chieftain who's taken an interest in the group. The ship is theirs to keep if they accept the Panther's invitation to join him in his kingdom of Wakanda. The three members in attendance agree and set off to grab Johnny from college. Johnny is excited to join in and asks if his roommate Wyatt Wingfoot may come along. Can we talk about I... Wyatt Wingfoot right off the bat? I have so many thoughts on <laughs> Wyatt Wingfoot. Okay, what? and this is actually one of those other times that I like mentally made so many notes of like, this is a sensitive topic. We're going to chat about it, but not experts. I feel like there's just like a lot of caveats all day. I'm going to lay out. Give me your thoughts on Wyatt Wingfoot. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, Corey, go go on. I uh, my thoughts aren't very organized about him. <laughs> okay, okay. So first, originally when I saw his face, also he's sleeping. You know what, Davis? Why don't you give the summary 
because I, I feel like all of my things are going to be more clear once you explain what's <laughs> happening. Okay. Well, it, you know, I, I, I didn't add very much about Wyatt right here, but, you know, s since we stopped, it is worth mentioning that he's just asleep the whole time yes. that the Fantastic Four <laughs> are having this, uh, th th this reunion. They, I guess... Like I'm, I'm assuming the thing just picks up his unconscious body and puts it on the ship. He sleeps all the way through to Wakanda, which even with a curious airship would probably take a long time. And the only characterization that we get from Johnny Storm is he, like he's slow until he wants to be fast. Um. Also, he looks at least three times as old as John. <laughs> okay. Picking, picking up. Uh, the four are guided to the outskirts of Wakanda and seem unimpressed by their primitive surroundings until their guide slips the ship through a break in the foliage. Underneath, they are stunned to find a man-made jungle where all plant life is actually delicately constructed machinery. The gang arrives to find that the Black Panther's invitation was... Uh, was not one made out of hospitality, but rather a challenge. The Black Panther intended to hunt the group. Black Panther manages to beat the Thing, Sue, and Johnny, and has Reed Richards in his clutches when Johnny, freed by Wyatt, breaks his teammates out. Seeing he's been beaten, the Panther stands down, removes his mask, and offers to tell his story. That's 52. Do, do we want to, like, break here and give some thoughts, or do you want me to blaze through to 53? Uh... This is what confused me about Wyatt Wingfoot. Okay. Is he sleeps the entire issue and everybody is making fun of him the whole time. This guy is always asleep. What's his deal? He's always asleep. Um, and then I'll throw this panel into the chat. But he's the one, he's the reason why they win. Yeah. Like they're all defeated. And... <laughs> His exact the human torch, it's later revealed, escapes his death trap, which, of course, he was in an asbestos-filled uh, cage. Uh, and Black Panther's like, how are you free? And he was like, it was old Wyatt. He freed me and I freed the others. And then Wyatt says, you took every precaution against the greatest superpower team in the world. But you overlooked one factor. Sometimes a man with no power superpowers can tip the scales for or against you. And I don't know. It just seemed weird that that was just like. It, it, I don't know. Well, and so another like weird thing, because so, sometimes we get these like random companion characters who end up being like pretty significant in, in, in the comics down the, down the line, like, mm -hmm. you know, more, more modern creators will be like, Hey, you know, Wyatt Wingfoot, um, why don't we do something with him or, uh, Peter Petruski, right? You know, paste pot Pete, uh, why, why, why don't we make him into a more fearsome villain? Um, and so I, I thought, oh, okay, he, he's Native American. Is he Warpath? No. Uh, he's just Wyatt Wingfoot, and his contribution to the Fantastic Four is that sometimes he is the boyfriend of She-Hulk. <laughs> like, that, that, that is what they have done with his character. And I mean, he, she is great. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and one time he helped the Fantastic Four beat Black Panther. But that's it. Well, well my thoughts, looking at this uh, comic panel, I'm always forgetting like all the terminology. Anyway, looking <laughs> at it, this is my, okay, first, he is asleep the entire time. What a yeah. weird thing. What was that storyline? Pivoting, looking at him, like as he's asleep or just in anything, he is very white. He, I feel like he has black hair. He is yes. hella white. Maybe has like a kind of a pronounced brow line. Uh-huh. Um, I don't see anything Native American about him. And yet they reference so much like his ancestors and all of this stuff. So I'm like, is this like many generations ago? Which, you know, no, no one drop rule or anything. Like, of course, all people, um, I don't know, inclusive. (laughs) Doesn't matter if it's many generations ago. But it's just so strange because I feel like in a issue or like a series where you're introducing an African-American uh, or no, sorry, uh, an African uh, superhero. And then you have this super white Native American. I don't know, it was very <laughs> weird. And I feel like this is just like, Marvel does this a lot, especially in obviously the very old comics, where like the colors of people don't make any sense. Um, the skin tones don't make any sense for like who the characters actually are. And they also reference like red as a skin color for Native Americans in the comic. Once again, he hella white. Um, anyway, th- that was like my main thought, but also, and this kind of gets into more like the African, but, but also this, this character, um, they, I feel like they just keep making digs at these other cultures and like, oh my gosh, how in the world could this African chieftain have this incredible plane? How is their technology better? Like, uh, what is it? The rock dude whose name is escaping. The Thing. The Thing. Ben, ben Grimm. Very prejudiced. Gosh, so prejudiced. <laughs> like the, in the beginning, he's like, no, this, this couldn't be an African. Like he is just like, no, they're so like beneath us. I don't know. They're just all of these comments and shock. And, and I'm like, this is so cool. That they're making like, Wakanda, this thing of like technology, and it's all of these things that are so advanced, and and that this guy is the one who kind of saves the day, and yet the entire time is just like so racist. Um. Anyway, those are all the thoughts that were running through my head as I was reading it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, like it's, <laughs> um, progress is not always a straight line, uh, and, and trust me, when we get into some of these other comics i have some other things that were prevalent in the 90s that will carry oh, over yeah. into <laughs> these comics but yes uh i i i found it weird and and honestly kind of prejudiced that t'challa just had a clock around his neck on a chain uh <laughs> just kidding uh but not far off. Anyway, all right. Also, Ryan has put in the chat a, a another very problematic image of Wyatt Wingfoot, uh, like clasping clasping hands with well one one hand with She Hulk, and then the two of them have their arms outstretched, 
to hold some sort of like terracotta pot that has <laughs> uh butterflies on it there are also a lot of multicolor butterflies flying around them the terracotta pot is in the sun with a rainbow behind it um some sort of indigenous mask and then behind them there's like tri tribal patterns uh she hulk is obviously green uh he is not white in this he is very pink like like Half Love a shade that. away from just being red, which is also again very problematic. So, um, I I I do hope that White Wingfoot gets perhaps a more even-handed um, reintroduction to to uh, to Marvel in the comics. But if not, we're sorry we let you down, Mister Wingfoot. Um. I I, and, and and I guess like, you know, Corey mentioned Wyatt being very white. Uh, the Wakandans were very gray and purple, which, yes. again, like, uh, I don't know. I, you know, like, a long time ago, progress isn't a straight line, but, like, we know we're in Africa, and we know what folks from Africa look like, so it it it, it felt to me like, Marvel was almost trying to like soften the blow of like, okay, we know that we're introducing black characters, but maybe if we make them mauve or whatever, like they, they, a, a, a dark lavender, uh, dark lavender? They, oh they, they would be more, more palatable to our audience. You know what I'm just now realizing also? Yes, the, the coloring is always strange in these old ones for skin tones. But also, I'm now realizing that they kind of... So so they set up Black Panther. I wish there was more understanding of what the ritual that he was doing, of like why he brought them in to like play the most dangerous game of like hunting humans. Right. Because that was super fun. I actually really liked that. And I almost wish it was... Like, this is a ritual that we do, or, you know, we're trying to see who's the, I don't know, there, there could be something really fun they could have played with there. Um, but they end up pitting, like, Black Panther against, okay, remind me of his name again. I've already forgotten it. Ben Grimm. Wyatt Wingfoot. Ben, Wyatt Wingfoot. Wyatt Wingfoot. Um, like, they end up pitting them against each other, so it's almost like these minority characters Yes. Beating each other versus the the like white superheroes. Um, I don't really know what to say about that, except it's a very interesting story choice. Sure. I mean, yeah. every point everyone has made screams Stanley in the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Stanley in the 60s is our answer. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I was going to take more shots at the way that uh, the Wakandans were, were illustrated, just with, like, very heavy brows and, and mm. kind of a more primitive look, but that, that, that's just Ditko head, so we're, we're, we're going to give them a pass on that. Uh, <laughs> every, every Steve Ditko character has a very deep-set brow and looks somewhat primitive. Although I believe Fantastic Four is Jack Kirby. Oh, no, no excuses. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I I I I was ready to let that go. Fi- okay, fine. Oh, go go ahead. One other random thing. So Johnny's in college, and they they go to pick him up, and he greets, and he's like, hey, "What a new brother-in-law!" Did they get married without Johnny? What is happening? I think they got. I think he was there. Okay. But I I think he still acknowledges him as his new brother-in-law. Okay, just to be like, this is a new thing. Remember yeah, they got yeah, yeah. Okay, I just wanted him, like, you know, I, I wanted to do a little hate, but never mind. <laughs> I I do think that college is like another classic Stan Lee thing where he mm. likes people in college. And I yeah. think the Human Torch was like a really popular character. And so... I think he was at college so he could have his like own spin-off stories at the same time as the Fantastic Four books. Uh, which something that I didn't mention at all and got like one page worth of of explanation is that uh Johnny is in love with an inhuman named Crystal who is being imprisoned yeah. by um Maximus who is Black Bolt's evil brother um and that's all we get but he loves her and they pine for each other even though they're separated even if it takes a decade i look forward to our uh inhumans episode on the (laughs) short-lived tv series oh my gosh i had another thing i wanted to add to the list by the way i'm watching harley this is what i forgot i was going to tell you guys in the in the beginning of the show Mm. wow it's my fault i'm the reason that we're so long um I want to talk about Harley so much. It's so good. The cartoon? The cartoon on HBO Max. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Anyway, Pencil continue with Black Panther. <laughs> you know what? I just shared all my thoughts on the show. I don't think we need to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, love it. All right, thanks. Okay, Um, final thought on, on episode 52. It just, like, I... I've never felt like the Fantastic Four is like the perfect team of complementary talents or, or or like the best superpowers combined or anything. But to their credit, every time that they are defeated, it's because the villain has some like series of elaborate set pieces that are specifically designed to neutralize the powers of each of them one by one. Hmm. Uh, so in, in that way, maybe they're better than I think they are. <laughs> I did. I did like whatever device he used to make them all have to separate. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. A, a propulsion grenade. Or yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Okay, on to 53. Um, the Fantastic Four are audience to traditional Wakandan dance and welcomed into Ch- uh, into T'Challa's lavish home. The thing continues to be very prejudiced and rolls his eyes at everything. Uh, while there, T'Challa tells them the story of his father, King T'Chaka, of Vibranium, and of the chieftain's role in protecting the valuable resource. While this conversation is going on, two guardsmen on patrol see a giant red gorilla, which soon gives way to an even larger red elephant. This sends the guards running. Back at T'Challa's, the panther tells the story of, of Claw, a man with an instrument that could turn sound into, 
And then at this point, I have like three or four things crossed out because at different times they said that this instrument could turn sound into mass, any living thing, or energy. The answer is kind of all three, mm-hmm. um, but we'll get into that. Claw and his men slaughtered T'Chaka and many Wakandan warriors with guns. The massacre leaves T'Challa heartbroken, and he swears to avenge his father's death under the alter ego Black Panther. Fortunately, he exacts revenge mere moments later by turning Claw's sound machine against him and shattering the Claw's arm slash hand. The Fantastic Four and Black Panther battle the Red Gorilla, which ends up being a projection of sound and energy by Claw. Uh, while, While the Fantastic Four are kind of fruitlessly battling against this projection of of sound and energy black panther finds the layer that claw is operating out of confronts him um defeats claw and then in kind of the the final moments of of disaster claw decides to jump into this sound energy projector machine and and basically either die or try and become an even greater enemy to Black Panther in the future. Uh, and he, he succeeds in that, uh, we, we find later, and is able to basically harness those powers of, of, sound, of turning sound into energy within himself. And that's 53. Nothing to add for me. Great recap. <laughs> The the only thing I knew about Claw before the movies and before all this was he was like his red jumpsuit that he wears with his like sonic arm. Yes. It's like basically a satellite for an arm. It, it, It just seemed lame and kind of cheesy to me. And they really souped him up in the the movie. Right. So we we actually don't officially see that version of Claw in in 53. I I think like, you know, next time we see him, he'll have that. Um, He was an ugly dude. He looked very simian in in, in this comic. Um, Yeah. The, the guy just looked like a monkey. Um, but I guess, you know, by, by jumping into the sound machine, he, he not only gained some of those powers, got the cool red jumpsuit, um, he, he also lost some, some of that excess hair and, and became a lot more slick. Um, and then one other power that I guess isn't like dealt with in the comics quite as much that the claw gained is that when he's played on a location, he adds plus six power to the location, just to the right. <laughs> yeah. That is a Marvel snap joke. A joke for, <laughs> for like five people. <laughs> Plenty of people play Marvel snap. It's cool. It is. Which Pretty is what fine. I tell my wife every night. As she <laughs> She judges me. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so, so I guess I would call that like the end of our, um, early reading. And and then we have some more modern reading to, to round it out. Um, I'm going to give a very brief summary of the Christopher priest 
run of of Black Panther comics just because number one, Ryan, I know you read a lot further, so maybe you can kind of fill in some gaps. And uh, Corey, I know you have a lot of thoughts, so I will lay out for some of those. Um, so the the 1998 Black Panther, again, by Christopher Priest, deals a lot with T'Challa's interactions with Everett Ross. We're, we're, we're kind of seeing it through his, his eyes. Um, he is dealing with this, this incident where uh, a, a Wakandan charitable fund, uh, it, it turns out, has been co-opted and used for like running drugs, buying guns. And uh, one of the literal poster children for the, for, for the fund, someone who was supposed to be benefiting from this, uh, was, was killed due to some of the violence that broke out over this misappropriation of funds and, you know, some of the guns that leaked out into the community, yada, yada, yada. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. We, we see T'Challa and his fairly robust entourage uh, make it to, to the United States to try and sort out, number one, what, like, what the failure was with, uh, with this fund, what to do, and kind of what, um, what, what, what the best course of action is going to be to either exact revenge or um, try and iron it out. There's kind of this weird subplot that I didn't get to the bottom of where Everett Ross was also like having dealings with uh, Mephisto, the the demon. I'll just kind of leave that off to the side, but it is part <laughs> of it. Uh, <laughs> and in in the midst of all this, um, T'Challa is it is is getting word that some of the folks. Uh, in Wakanda are are being coerced to join a um, so, someone who's looking to kind of usurp the power of the Black Panther, uh, basically like start a coup in in Wakanda uh, in in T'Challa's absence, uh, and and all of this is stemming from Wakanda's decision to allow refugees from other war torn countries to find refuge in Wakanda, uh, so. You know, from from my reading, it's touching on a lot of the points that are prevalent not only in our reading, but or like throughout our reading, but also in the movie. Um, Wakanda's position as kind of this nation state unto itself, uh, how it plays and interacts with others, uh, and and again, T'Challa's duty to others outside of Wakanda, and and, and his duty to like rule the nation of Wakanda at the same time with that. I'll, I'll, I'll turn it over. Per perhaps Corey, you'd like to go first. Okay. So <laughs> I guess I have a lot of random thoughts. Of um, course. So I'll just, I'll spew some randomness and then Ryan, if you want to bring it home with, I don't know, more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll, I, I don't know if I'll have like a ton to say, but I'll, I'll share some okay. of my thoughts. Okay, cool. So my very favorite thing is 
Ross, uh, in the very, I think like it was like the first page or two, was called the Emperor of Useless White Boys. And I loved that so much, maybe too much, but it, it also like this, the characterization of him in this series, I really wish had been the character we saw in the movie, because I feel like it, it meshed better with just him being incompetent, which was real fun. Um, I'll talk about that more in the movie, but that was just a silly random thing. Another one was this felt so 90s, and I loved part of it was they kept making mention to Pulp Fiction and yes. uh, and how like he was telling the story so out of order and all of this. And he's like, this is there's so they were like, this is like a Pulp Fiction on Rewind. Like it's even worse, even more out of order. Um, yeah. So those are my two random thoughts. But then the other thing as I was reading was the the Dora Milage, Milage, I think it is. Milage, thank you. I watched a pronunciation video. I was going to say it with confidence and then I couldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. I mean, um, I might be doing similar things with some of these names. (laughs) Perfect. As long as it's all of us. But I'm trying. Um, The Dora Milage. um, In it, they're described first as teenagers which was not something that had ever been clear to me before now. Teenagers. Second, they're called like the pre-wives or something. Like they're, they're wives to be almost. Um, and, and also they're described as like really sexy. And again, they're described many times as teenagers who, who are badass and kick everyone to, everywhere. They're doing a great job, but they're teenagers. <laughs> so I had to do a deep dive because I was very weirded out by this. And I was like, is this all of it? Is it always like that? Um, and the deep dive went to one website that answered it for me. Where oh, basically no. <laughs> the Wait, Marvel. Corey, yeah. this is this is a family podcast. Yeah, you you have to say the name of the website. So we so everyone knows it wasn't like a salacious Oh my god! Uh, oh, website that you went to, <laughs> MarvelFandom.com, the wiki <laughs> for okay. the Dora Milaje, Mil, uh, and they have a pronunciation Milaje. Okay, um, basically these are a pool of superior Wakandan women. It is an ancient tribal tradition that they're assembled as potential queens for an unmarried king. Um, maintaining the peace of Wakanda by ensuring that every tribe has an opportunity to put forward one of their daughters for the crown. And they traditionally only speak their native language and only speak to the king or each other. Um, And T'Challa does not end up marrying any of them. And they're kind of more just like best friends slash bodyguards, although one of them at one point is in love with him, which is, again, creepy, um, given it, their age. Don't worry, I'll get into this. Oh, good. Because oh, it, good. it is further explained a few issues ahead. Okay, okay, I'll pause there. But anyway, that was super cool. And I wish I had known this before the movie, because then I feel like I would have caught more things. But that was a fun deep dive. All right, Ryan, explain more to me, because I'm so confused. So here's here's some context for all of this. Okay. Uh, 
this was part of the Marvel Knights line of comics, which was Marvel's kind of way, hey, this is the adult comics. Like, these are like the cool, like... Marvel After Dark? Uh, is that what you by Knights? No, because it is K. And okay, I, okay. Uh, but they, like, it was pretty well regarded. And... DC had a few versions of this as well, but I feel like DC's version got a little more R-rated every once in a while. Okay. Whereas this one was still pretty PG-13, but you can tell it's for, like, an older crowd, but not, not necessarily, like, adults, but, like, it's more for, like, teenagers might find this really cool in the 90s. Okay, um, so definitely PG-13. So yeah, NC- yeah. Um, and then the other thing that's important to note is Christopher Priest is the first black writer for Black Panther. Oh. And so, and that is, from what I read at least, he kind of sets the tone for what these movies are. Because this is the first time Black Panther gets into more political uh, stuff and more like uh thought-provoking questions about kind of like current state affairs and sure stuff like that um but uh to answer davis's question there is a guy i i read the first 12 issues of this and the main villain of all this is named achebe i believe is how you pronounce it uh correct me if i'm wrong though and he makes a deal with Mephisto to become the new ruler of Wakanda. And so while Black Panther's gone, he kind of strikes a deal with uh, Ramonda, Black Panther's mom, and they kind of co-rule Wakanda, and he's kind of like doing things in the background, and that's kind of where the Mephisto thing comes into play. Um, But... They also get into some interesting uh, setups of kind of Wakanda's role, and they they do address Black Panther's actions before this series was written. And so there's one issue where he's kind of hanging out with the Avengers, and all of his people are like, why did you spend so much time in America with the Avengers? Like, we needed you here as your king, or mm-hmm. as our king, and they kind of, like, deal with that, and then it's revealed that he was actually spying on the Avengers this whole time, uh, oh. and there's little cool reveals like that. Wh- one of my favorite issues was issue six, where uh, they kind of, they go to this, like, fancy rich party that's supposed to, like, help uh like kind of make donation charitable donation to the black community and it's constantly noted like the black panther is the only black person at this event and that like they're like it doesn't surprise me that this is like held by like a bunch of white people and stuff like that and so there's like a lot of like little commentaries like that that like do make these issues really really interesting um, some of the problematic stuff, the, the Dora Milaje, 
they it's very clear that black panther is not interested and he's constantly telling them you guys are too young oh good and thank what nakia who is portrayed very differently in the movie is one of them um and she is the one who falls in love and it's actually kind of a scandal because i forget if he was hypnotized or drugged but black panther ends up kissing one of ends up kissing nakia while he's like under a spell and that is like a sign of like now you will like basically under your laws you are going to marry this person but he has feelings for uh i forget her name but he's he uh the girl he's dating but he's no longer with and so he's like once they kiss he like continually says like that was like a mistake this is like don't get wrapped up in it but she does get wrapped up in it because she was raised to believe all this stuff and and so it also gets into interesting things like that of kind of like challenging like these ideals that maybe in hindsight become more questionable. Um, and then the other pro- problematic thing is uh, in the movie, Everett Ross is portrayed by Martin Freeman and he's very calm and collected and he's kind of older not not too much of a comic relief, but sort of, I guess, in the movie. In this, he's kind of like a young, all-over-the-place like CIA agent who's very goofy. And yes. the problematic thing is he is very, very homophobic in a lot of these <laughs> issues. <laughs> and, like, there's... like I Take it back. I don't want him to be like this. <laughs> I'm sure. The 90s. Yeah, it's the late '90s. <laughs> Which, yeah, it is something that was probably a lot more prevalent in the late '90s. But it I, is, I, I... in hindsight, pretty unfortunate. But yeah, he. There is a scene where, uh, a Chabi locks Black Panther in a big like, uh, like a one of those quarter machines at the grocery store. Oh. And each one is filled with a bomb, except for one is filled with uh, Agent Ross and Black Panther. And Black Panther is naked for some reason. And This is like Jigsaw. (laughs) And it's also filling up with acid. And (laughs) Black Panther is very calm and collected, asking him to like shift around in certain ways and like, Everett Ross is freaking out in the comics, and I'm like, oh, this did not age well. But there's a lot of like little things like that. But overall, like I'm sure I wasn't reading this at the time, but I'm sure it changed a lot of kind of what Black Panther was and uh I can see why it's pretty well regarded. I I am glad to hear that the Dora Milaje uh, is not the harem that I thought it was when, when when I first read the description. <laughs> um, 
I find it kind of funny that so like Bruce Wayne, aka Batman, for those who don't know, um, has a son named Damien whose mother is Talia Al Ghul, who is like one of she she's the daughter of one of uh, Batman's mortal enemies. And the reason that they had a kid was because he was like drugged and hypnotized and whatever, and she she stole his precious seed uh, and 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 was heavy with child. I I have always found that storyline very funny, uh, and I'm glad that there is a um, a similar storyline in in Marvel where it's like, okay, well, we can't just have this guy uh, kissing 15 year olds. And also it, it's, it's interesting that like, you know, you, you talked about some of the compelling storylines. It's, it's very cool that T'Challa is like having to deal with these traditions that were passed down generation after generation, which were probably like far more acceptable in 1750. But you know, now he doesn't want a gaggle of, uh, teenage girls, competing for 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 a seat beside him on the throne anyway uh very funny that it's like no no we kissed and that would be me uh proposing to you but i was uh hypnotized so yeah ignore it <laughs> uh i mean the opposite side of all this though is that Everett Ross becomes the problematic character who is very excited about the dora melage and stuff so uh, yes. keep getting worse <laughs> at everett ross so like there there is no excuse for homophobia um it was incredibly prevalent in pop culture in the 90s like i seeing old episodes of like friends or whatever sometimes you're just white knuckling episodes because yeah like the entire episode is based around some homophobic trope anyway i i uh, constantly wonder about the show scrubs oh, which God. i enjoyed a lot when it was airing but i i wonder if a rewatch would be a little more cringeworthy i i i saw one clip from it like last week and it was some homophobic joke from who was it Kelso the 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 old doctor mm, yeah uh yeah he 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 made some homophobic joke and and you could just tell the way that it was like set up and delivered that in 2002 or 2003 or whatever it absolutely killed <laughs> oh, yeah, it landed different than it does now <laughs> yeah all right um I'm just going to give a very quick summary of the of the final reading. This is uh, Black Panther issue number two from the 2005 run. This is our first introduction to the character of Shuri. Um, Wakanda has a tradition in this run. It, it, it It's almost like the purge, but instead of being able to commit any crime you want, literally anyone in Wakanda can fight the Black Panther for the right to become the Black Panther and and like the 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 ruler of Wakanda, um, it is it's reminiscent of the fight that we see in the movie 
it doesn't take place at Warrior Falls, but you know the 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 same idea like the panther is stripped of their of of, of their um powers from the heart, from the heart-shaped herb and and are just fighting people one by one you know of of their own power um so the 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 black panther is fighting you know taking people out bing bang boom um the 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 mother of T'Challa and Shuri is 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 looking for Shuri. She's being a rascal and and like gets out of the 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 palace walls, gets past the Dora Milaje, and is trying to make her way to the fight so that she can have a shot at becoming the Black Panther and ruler of Wakanda. And shortly before she dives into the ring to to challenge uh, a a masked individual jumps in is able to defeat the the panther making this person the new ruler uh he he is unmasked and we find that it is t'challa who has defeated his uncle for the right to ascend to the throne um and shuri is very put off by the fact that she didn't get her chance because she was sure that she would have won. Um, I, I, I think that like we get kind of that same jovial spunky version of Shuri um, in the movie that, that we see here in the comic. And, and it was fun to see the, the fighting take place. Um, Also, I appreciated that in the comic, they had someone fighting who they thought was a minor, uh, like M I N E R just to clarify, since we were talking about, (laughs) and this guy looks like he's 300 pounds made of solid granite. Uh, you know, just an absolute bear of a man. And I appreciate that they addressed that. There are actually people who do like hard labor in Wakanda because in the movie, we see all this, you know, vibranium going out everywhere, but we don't see people like coming out of the mines. We 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 just see everyone yeah, I don't know, walking around in their beautiful garb uh representing the the different nations, but nobody seems to do like a ton of work. So, there's no work anymore. Yeah. Get in the mines. <laughs> Get in the effing mines. What a stance. Yeah. Anyway, those are the comics. Um, any a, a, anything that you feel are is like essential, Ryan? I I suppose you would probably suggest the Christopher Priest run. Um. Yeah. I mean, I. It's pretty different, but at the same time, I think it's pretty pivotal in kind yeah. of what who Black Panther has become. Also, I feel like it's important to mention that I didn't get to it, but I think issue 15 or 16, there is a Killmonger issue by Christopher Priest. Uh, and I am curious, I am curious how that lines up with the movie. And also another interesting thing is he is constantly like telling people like, people are saying this is how Wakanda is 
and he was like that's how it was under my father which i mm-hmm. think they they took from the movie a lot as well um how do we feel about the black panther having a little crop top cape because that was present <laughs> in basically all of the comics but we don't get it in the movie should have had it love it excellent <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, so I, I, I will be interested after this episode to dive a little deeper into the Christopher priest run. I really enjoyed jungle action. Um, you know, you, you have to take everything from that era with a grain of salt, but I, I, I found a lot of like beauty and, and, um, very compelling themes in it. So I will probably continue uh continue reading through that yeah if you do i'm interested yeah in your take i didn't necessarily find that there was one as i was reading that i was like oh my gosh i will hands down recommend that people read this but i do feel like of all the characters that we've read now I'm second guessing myself because I really love Spider-Man, but Black Panther is the one that I was like, wow, I really need to read some of the modern stuff because I feel like it'll be really good and I'm loving this character and the world. It's so different. Yeah, I imagine when we get to Wakanda forever. Mm, yes, there are some runs where Shuri becomes the Black Panther that since Shuri is she she came into the comics in 2005 i imagine her arcs have a much more fresh and modern take i i will kind of throw out um i'm i'm not sure if we'll get to read any of these as as part of the the wakanda forever readings but uh tanahasi coates who is like a <laughs> I, I, I know that he hates this term himself, but he has been deemed like a black intellectualist, um, just someone who is kind of at the leading edge of black thought. Um, and he, he's written um, Between the World and Me, Eight Years We Were in Power, and other other books um, <clears throat> that that try to describe the black experience uh, in, in, in the modern days. He had a run on, on black Panther that I, I gave it a go. Um, Ta-Nehisi Coates is so smart. I personally have trouble connecting with his writing because he is so smart. Uh, he, he's just like orders of magnitudes higher that, that, than I am in, in terms of his thought processes. But Definitely something to check out if you're interested in reading a a Black Panther from kind of a more modern, uh, nuanced take. Awesome. That sounds All good. Right. Yeah. Um, check it out. But I am uh, I'm dumb, so I probably might <laughs> be in the similar uh, boat. Yeah. Uh, as I just googled it really fast because I I do want to try to read it. It is. A 2018 run. It looks like there are 12 issues. And ooh, I'm trying to find the name of the first one, if anyone's interested in reading it. 
Um, there, there's a, there's a combo on Amazon that's the first three issues, and it's a nation under our feet. There it is. Yes. Um. Oh, yeah. There, there, there's an omnibus. Uh, what? Of course. Eighty-nine ninety-nine. Ooh. That's only twelve issues. That's like a hardcover. All right. Whatever. Um. Okay. <gasps> oh my gosh. So Kindle Unlimited has comic books, and I have yet to find something that I'm interested. I, I don't know. I have a Kindle Unlimited subscription. This is in the Kindle Unlimited subscription. Wow. Oh, I mean, I'm sure it's Love also it. in the Marvel Unlimited. I have too many subscriptions right. to things that I read. <laughs> <laughs> but you use I, it I, all. I, that's what's impressive. That's true. Yeah. I do. I do. I read a lot. Okay, <laughs> movies. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Um, all right. So I, I, I did just want to point out like there, there aren't a ton of scenes that, that, that I specifically want to discuss, but watching the opening scene of this movie, I was blown away by how succinctly they were able to introduce and kind of get the ball rolling on basically all of the film's central themes and, and the tension throughout. So we, we have that opening scene in Oakland where uh, King T'Chaka's brother has been sent there kind of as a, as a spy just to see what's going on in, um, in, in the U.S. trying to integrate himself. Turns out he's like running guns and... Uh, T'Chaka comes in to visit. He sees uh, uh, T'Chaka's brother has has a friend that that he's been doing this all with, and T'Chaka tells uh, tells him him the, the the friend and the brother of a strike by Claw uh, U- Ulysses Claw that was a targeted attack that that took tons of vibranium and it had to have been from someone on the inside uh to brother denies any wrongdoing but it turns out that his friend is actually a wakandan as well it was kind of like a double double cross uh there there, there were spies to spy on the spies and so he is uh what we think taken away to you know to to be judged by the tribunal there is also like even before that, we we get this beautiful imagery of the story of Wakanda summed up in about two and a half minutes. The the story of the heart shaped herb, uh, the the panther goddess Bast, leading them to that, giving them the the power of the Black Panther and the incredible resources that uh, that that Wakanda has as a result of um, the vibranium meteorite hitting and changing the, the 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 landscape of Wakanda, but how because of this very valuable resource they've had to hide and kind of live um in the shadows. So anyhow, I you know, I I I've been hinting at it all along, but I'm just I I, I was really blown away by how they were able to set up Killmonger's origin, the history of Wakanda the tension bequ- b- between the Wakandan tribes and kind of how to use vibranium, 
uh, Wakanda's wealth and, 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 and their duty to protect that very valuable resource versus the, the needs of those who have been displaced as part of the African diaspora. Um, or maybe it's diaspora. Ugh. Bruh. This whole episode is just rife with words that we're not sure how to pronounce. Anyway, <laughs> all, all of that, I, I thought, was just a brilliant way to get the movie going. I, okay, two thoughts to add. And I, I think these kind of come together. But overall, this is just such incredible storytelling. And I think the two points, kind of similar to what you've pointed out in this, Davis, are one, it does such a good job of kind of, I feel like bringing everyone to a similar understanding or a similar perspective that they may not have of like the life of someone growing up in Oakland in maybe more of like an inner city environment. And then like, um, I don't know, being black, like all of this, like giving you this perspective and I feel like just, they just do such an incredible job of anyone feels like this connection to these original characters or these initial characters. And then also on the other side, setting up what I think is one of the best movie interpretations of kind of like a fantasy science fiction world, which I think is a yeah. little bit closer to what Wakanda is versus, I don't know, your traditional superhero comic book world. Um, and wow, I just think together in phenomenal storytelling, but I love how they take the very real elements of life mixed with um, like this, this fantasy. And they tell both of those in a way that someone who is not black or, you know, doesn't live in a fantasy, <laughs> which, which are very different things, um, feels very present and connected to them. Obviously yeah. not on the same level as someone else who maybe connects more with that, but oh, just beautiful. I I I think some of the genius of this movie is that there 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 are times where um especially like, you know, kind of these wish fulfillment fantasy adjacent like comic book movies they 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 try to either um oversimplify or flat out ignore some of the harsh realities of life and that frankly is one of the things that like draws me into comic books is that uh right and wrong is very often very clear and even when it's not the hero knows what the right thing to do is and they do it uh that makes me happy and gives me hope and you know, all of that. Uh, this movie doesn't shy away from some of the like natural inconsistencies in incongruencies and, and growing pains of um, having to deal with the fact that there is one nation that is actually the most technologically advanced, wealthy, prosperous nation in the world. And there are also folks who, uh, who, who, who are living, you know, with, without, um, kind of, uh, who, who are in need, um, 
and 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 who could benefit from from a you know distribution of some of this wealth and 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 these assets so um yeah i i was very impressed uh with with Ryan Coogler's ability to blend the surreal with the very real um elements you know not 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 shying away from uh what what real life is like and uh, and and I guess like one question that I have regarding the MCU specifically is Wakanda is always presented as this thing unto itself. It, it it's either either the Black Panther himself is going out to help others, or others are brought in on a temporary conditional basis. But like the the people who go into Wakanda don't change Wakanda and the Black Panther can't be pulled away from the nation of Wakanda for too long because their allegiance lies there. And so I'm wondering, is there a, is there a way, do you see a path towards integration uh, with like Wakanda as a nation within the broader MCU or will it always be this separate entity? Mm, I I think it's it's hard to say. I think that is the debate of both Black Panther movies. Is right. what happens when like there there are upsides and downsides to integrating into the rest of the world, uh, and but at the same time there is a unique culture that's presented in in Wakanda that I I think can't truly be like fully integrated into the rest of the MCU because of kind of what's been set up. Mm -hmm. I also think they've done such an interesting job of com contrasting wakanda's separation and then eventual like attempt to integrate with more of like colonialization and my assumption is they're trying to to show that it almost like can't be fully integrated um and that there has to be like a separation of like identity and with with a mix, like there is both a separation and a mix of identity because like Killmonger is like he's not accepted and isn't brought in because he is different and isn't Wakandan. So there's something bad there. I don't, it's, it's like such a, a nuanced interpretation and approach that they're going with. And also like it's a nuanced issue. Um, but I kind of think they're trying to contrast like colonialism was more like we're shoving our culture down your throat and we are forcing this upon you whereas they have chosen to like and and because we're gonna make you better and we are going to um improve your lives and force you to become like us because we are better versus wakanda that has held itself apart and is better you know technologically like societally right. but 
part of that is because they have left themselves separate and not like burden themselves with with the rest of the world and like not force themselves upon the rest of the world either like kind of let it develop as it as it will for good and for bad um anyway (laughs) all of that is to say i think they almost cannot be uh uh integrated fully but i do think there's kind of a message of that doesn't mean they need to hold themselves wholly apart where there's there's sort of a, a middle gray area sure yeah yeah and i mean like like ryan hinted towards both both movies uh are trying to answer that question you know can can wakanda truly be a part of the broader world and still maintain the culture and and i don't know way, way of doing things that they enjoyed when they were um in in obscurity i i wonder um how 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 that story would have been told were it not for the tragic passing of of, of chadwick boseman which obviously derailed um a, a lot of plans in in this storytelling because at the end of this movie, we we see a promise by by T'Challa that they're going to open up these uh, the, the these learning centers and they're 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 going to distribute their resources and their wealth and their technology to the world. And then, you know, I, I guess very light spoiler for Wakanda Forever. <laughs> um, skip forward fifteen seconds. At, at the beginning of the movie, the rest of the world is basically asking, where's where's our vibranium? Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it, it it's interesting. Uh, but I, I do want to see more of Wakanda. And it seems that the only time in which we're able to really. Explore that area is is in the Black Panther movies. I mean. Thanos brings a bunch of aliens in Infinity <laughs> War, too. <laughs> but we don't really get too much other than Captain America telling Groot he's Steve Rogers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and like you know, I I suppose Endgame, uh, where where like Black Panther and and the Wakandan armies join the fight against Thanos is, is the most clear example of them being willing to do more than just protect their own borders. But mm, yeah. the only reason that, that, that Wakanda took up arms against uh, what Ebony Ma and all the other. And the rest. Weird... <laughs> yeah. Corvus Glaive, the, Proxima Midnight. Uh, yes. And I forget the other two all, all yeah. the time how 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 could i forget those names that just roll off the tongue um <laughs> they, they 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 only took up arms because thanos brought the fight to them mm-hmm. and, and and i i suspect that otherwise you know they, they they would have been just as just as happy to kind of let let other parts of the world burn but we'll see maybe you know Maybe there will be more events that require them to uh, be more active participants in the fight. All right. Um, 
I just want to take a second to gush about how beautiful Wakanda is. Like I've I've kind of brought it up, but the the scene at Warrior Falls uh is just incredible. Like you 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 have all of the different nations that are represented there. Um the the fact that like the the clothing that they wear, the everything about it is inspired by um traditional African tribal customs down to the fact that um, M'Baku's challenge against T'Challa, M'Baku's fighting style mimicked a gorilla with kind of these haymaker um, moves and T'Challa mimicked the, the movements of a panther. They, they were, they were uh, agile, you know, more, more, more deft in movement tried to, outthink the, the the enemy as opposed to simply overpowering um them as as Mbaku tried to do. So anyway, I I don't have much to like say other than wow, it very, very well done in creating this world that I want to spend more and more and more time in. I do wanna point out I wish I would have screenshotted it, but in Fantastic Four 52 when they first like arrive in Wakanda I was surprised at not necessarily like how one to one it was but how there was kind of like the futuristic like purpley vibe going on of what how Wakanda was portrayed in the comics do you remember that part where they're like it's like a jungle but it's made of metal Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, 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 like they're they're kind of under the overgrowth, the 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 tree line, and yeah, it, it like like everything is is made up of machines and uh, I, <laughs> I I'm I'm having trouble describing it beyond that. But I yes. I I got the screenshot now. And so I'll I'll share it. But yeah, like it doesn't really like look like how it is in the movie, but like like it it kinda does a little bit. And I was sure. kind of impressed by that, I guess. But yeah, it I mean especially when you get to Warrior Falls and like there's certain like views in Wakanda and mixed with like the cool technology. It's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I I guess to get back into like questions, who who were some of your favorite characters in this movie? I I had a ton. Not the least of which Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> he was good. I mean, you can't you can't say anything without mentioning Michael B. Jordan steals the show man yes so good i mean every the, scene he's in is very engaging the the first time that i watched it i walked away exclusively thinking about him and he uh, yeah this time i feel like um t'challa was I, like you know and chadwick boseman was for for obvious reasons very heavy in my mind and i kept 
paying a lot of attention to him, but Killmonger, still a star. So incredible. It, it is... Uh, well, uh, okay. I I just want to shout out um, Okoye because I I think she's incredible. Mm, yes, uh, and and Claw. I I love Andy Circus in this role. He's like <laughs> just an unhinged psycho, uh, but I think he does it really well. And not for nothing, even with the mannequin hand, is this. <laughs> Is this the best that Andy Serkis has looked in any on-screen role ever? <laughs> he's he is so handsome in this movie, and I would not typically describe him as traditionally handsome. I did not think so upon watching, but now that you're saying that, I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're right. There are just like so many other much more handsome people, right. so it's distracting. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I I mean, it, <laughs> if we're talking about most attractive people in this movie, um, I, I, I think we've already nailed, you know, uh, like Michael B. Jordan was named uh, Chadwick Boseman, Okoye, just a we, lot of very beautiful people in this yeah. movie. Did we say Lupita? Uh, she she has not been mentioned, but she deserves. Let's add it. Let's mentioned. add it to the list. She is not only beautiful, but also oh, she did 17. such a good job. Yes, she I, did. I don't think there was a bad actor or a bad role. I don't know. It was all ten out of ten. The 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 only <laughs> what Ryan uh, Ryan has added in the chat hid <laughs> his suggestion for the best. Uh, Andy Serkis has ever looked, and it's him in a mocap suit. I'm assuming playing Smeagol, uh, based on the look on his face and how he's crouched. But yeah, pretty, pretty great. Um, That's all. This is, sorry. Now I'm just gonna like cut over that. Uh, we're not gonna give that any pause. Sterling K. Brown. Oh my goodness. Yeah, man. Angela Bassett. I mean, oh, like, even even in the wings, we just have yes. beautiful, incredible people. Yes, littered throughout this movie. Ugh. Which stellar we, cast. Stellar cast, and I don't think that any other uh, Marvel origin story could just pull like the most talented black actors out of a hat. And and all of them would say yes to a role. But I think, again, that goes to underscore like how important, and I hate using that word, but how important a film Black Panther was and is uh, just in telling telling stories of, of Black excellence and not just Black victimhood. Um, yeah. We'll also say, I feel like other MCU movies have like squandered the talent Everyone yes. hit out of the park. The script, like everything was working. There, there is not one part that I was like, oh, that person, like they got them and it wasn't worth it. No, it was, it was all worth it. Yeah. Even, uh, would you argue it for Martin Freeman as well? Okay. So. I'm just curious. Well, 
So I love Martin Freeman as an actor. And I think in this movie, he was fine. Uh, <laughs> I, I think... Uh, dang it, Ryan. Is that the stone in my <laughs> obstacle with everything I said? I just like forget about him. Yeah. So, and I, I, I he feels a little that, out of place. Yeah. And maybe it's just that like the character is out of place. It's not that he acted poorly or that his role was bad. Yeah. I think it was just, like, you're not necessary here. Which I, I think if they had made him more of a comedic role, more of a dummy. I would have liked it better. Just like make it obvious he's not necessary here instead <laughs> of someone that's like trying to take himself seriously. I mean, I, I, I do like the part where M'Baku like does ape noises at him when he's trying to talk. That was great. <laughs> I, I, I think that, um, that all of the, the non-white actors in this movie were perfect, but also Andy Serkis was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> he was having the best time of his life, and you could tell. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but I... yes, very attractive. I didn't get yeah. my two cents in there, but I want to reiterate. Attractive cast, my wife said, man, he is very attractive when Michael B. Jordan came on screen oh. and i couldn't yeah. say anything to argue it I, th I i thought you were still talking about uh michael freeman <laughs> martin <laughs> freeman oh yes who did um, i say oh i mixed them okay yeah. oh dang it i had a i had a thought um oh. attractive cast michael v jordan oh just to spend a moment talking about people's bodies everyone was perfect no one was too big or weird or like, you know, like, I feel like everyone mm -hmm. looks great. I didn't know that that the guy with the green, like, lip ring. Uh-huh. Yeah. His dad. I thought that was real. I assumed it was it's real. Not. It's not? It's CGI. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa! I'm scandalized. Great CGI right. work. I know. I'm, I'm I'm dropping this movie seven points uh, mentally in my head. <laughs> it's, it 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 is now only a ninety three. Um. Okay, so one like question. I I, I can't decide how I felt about Killmonger working with Claw. Because on the one hand, like for the purpose of the movie, it worked seamlessly. We 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 were able to kind of go from one villain to another. Um, you know, it, we we knew Claw. That kind of gave us the vine to learn a little bit about Killmonger. Hold I think on, it shows. I have to interrupt. Yeah. yeah, please. It was not CGI, but it was a prosthetic. Okay. Okay. Hey. That... All right. Uh, that Back up sense. three points. That was some very. <laughs> I I think I assumed it was CGI because I saw a picture of the actor who plays him and I was like, where's the lip ring? Yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't know if I'd recognize him. All right, okay. continue, Davis. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you. No, it, it it was an important correction. Um Killmonger 
was presented as someone who like was kind of a win at all costs guy. And so in that sense, sure. Yeah. Work with claw, like, you know, uh, like use them and lose them, whatever. But he also has like a certain loyalty, at least to what he wants Wakanda to be. And so I was surprised that he would even consider working with like the mortal enemy of, uh, of Wakandans, even if, you know, he eventually just used it as kind of like a trade token. Wait, are you done, Davis? Did I see Molly? I am done. No, okay. no, no, I'm done. <laughs> okay. So I, I feel like part of that is you're coming with more of like the Wakandan perspective. For him, my assumption is he knows only about Claw, either what Claw has told him or what he knows as a child of the developments leading up to his father's murder. And then also that his father was murdered by Wakandans. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he would necessarily see it as a betrayal or working with their biggest enemy. If anything, I think he would see it as like working or conning the man who led to his father's death or was like this pivotal piece in his own personal tragedy. Um, And so part of it is like a joke on him of like, I'm going to murder you in the end or like, I'm going to get you in the end. Um, or like, I, I'm like, I'm using you to further my own means really. Um, and, and also that like, partially like a joke on Wakanda of like, this was the man that you used to kill my father over. And now I'm using him to rule you or to get, become in charge, like turn you into what I want you to be kind of like use it as my pawn against you. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I I think he's kind of in the business of doing whatever it takes mm -hmm. to kind of fulfill his plan of what the best the best way to use kind of Wakanda in order to better yeah. the world. Yeah, the, the, the more I think about it, he's very Machiavellian, uh, you know, and ends justifying the means. Um, and Corey, your, your, yours is a point well taken about kind of his perspective in all this. Um, you know, he, he's a, he's a kid from Oakland who, who knows something of, of his lineage. Um, and I'm just assuming that he didn't read fantastic four number 53, uh, to kind of get a little more info. Um, all right. While we are on Killmonger, like we're, we're, we're getting towards the end of phase three. Um, and there's, there's always discussion about Marvel having a villain problem. Um, did Killmonger solve that for you? Like, it, I, I, I think Killmonger is probably the most compelling villain in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I, I guess you could like compare him to Thanos or whatever, but I I felt like this villain broke the mold. Uh, and, and so I'm curious if you agree. And, and if so, like what made Killmonger special? 
we go into that, for those people who are not as aware of what the villain problem is, I love like, you know, what, what is what is the villain problem? Yes, if, if you if you aren't on, uh, I don't know, watch Mojo or comicbook.com every day like I am. Uh, <laughs> the villain problem in, um, in in the MCU is that too often we have these pure-hearted heroes who are so powerful that any villain that, that, that is put in front of them is very easy to just kind of knock down and and topple or, or that the villain has no clear clear motive um no 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 clear end game truly they're 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 simply there to be defeated by the um by the by the superhero but i i think that Killmonger, in this sense, presents a really strong, compelling villain. Uh, you know, he 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 not only convinces some of the Wakandan tribes to embrace change uh, in in his image, but also finds a way to inspire viewers and be like, "Man, you know, this guy's making some sense." I think that I disagree a little bit in the sense that Marvel has a villain problem, but only because I feel like the villain problem gets worse when you get into DC territory. Mm. <laughs> and I, which doesn't you doesn't always bother me just to be clear, but I feel like, especially the MCU, they have more compelling villains. I do agree that Killmonger is one of the most compelling villains. I'd have to think about it. Definitely top three, uh, just off the top of my head. But like even a simpler villain like Obadiah Stane, like he does have a motive of he wants money and to be like... He's got his own purposes for revenge or Loki is kind of acting out for being in the shadows. Uh, Ultron, less compelling to me, but classic AI type of takeover story. Robot bad. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm trying, I just had one at the time, I just had one that I was like, this is a more compelling villain, but then immediately it left me, but I guess Hela bred for war and then kind of imprisoned for that. Yeah. I, I think they're like. Sure, they're still kind of run-of-the-mill villains. Oh, the one of the better ones is Vulture from Spider-Man, who is like work. He's just like an every man who kind of wants to do a little extra to make sure his family has a good life, because he kind of has gotten screwed over by 
whatever system he's part of a part of and like department of damage control yeah but if you go to the most like run-of-the-mill marvel villains like i agree that they're they're nothing compared to killmonger who has a lot more motive and is a, a lot smarter about his plans um but at the same time like if you're comparing this to like die hard or something like that i feel like the mcu has like they at least try to give motive to each of the villains yeah point well taken uh i i just very quickly want to shout out probably the most compelling villain that they did nothing with and that is baron mordo uh (laughs) i can't even explain how excited i was at the end of doctor strange with like the no more sorcerers thing and then it's like mm-hmm. hey he grew his hair out I, I i don't even know is that the same baron mordo in multiverse of madness it is don't, don't answer one. that okay we, never I, mind I was just yeah <laughs> <laughs> we, we we've we're we're killing the clock so we we, we don't need to go go too far into that but anyway all right point well taken okay maybe marvel's villain problem is overstated Corey. (laughs) okay one one thought i had while while ruminating about this um i definitely agree with ryan it's not the worst villain problem but comparatively killmonger by far the best and part of that is for sure killmonger is just a great character with such real aspirations and yet so evil. Oh, I just love, like, like he is someone who will do the worst. And, you know, I, I feel like, like, the moral justification mixed with the evil, such a great combo. Um, but on the other side, I think part of the reason he's such a good villain is the supporting cast. Or, like, like the people on the other side of him, or also who are with him. Like, T'Challa being... Someone who, like, clearly almost wants his, like, what Killmonger wants as well, and is, like, so, like, morally, like, oh, I don't know. Or T'Chaka, who I feel like we we could all see was, like, in the wrong with these things, and T'Challa, like, wrestling with that, on, and, like, the comparative father relationships. Like, there, there's just so much nuance that they've built out around Killmonger to to add to him and then also the issue like the issue is not just him it is all of these emotions and all of these other characters building into it or how oh dang it like the guy who sides with him and then the 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 dora milaje whatever daniel kaluuya i don't know his character yeah oh yeah him and then his lady love and like just all of these things around it that all support Killmonger, which I don't think are nearly as nuanced in any other movie. So I think that kind of like builds him up even more and creates sort of this like supremacy within Killmonger because of how intricate all of these storylines tie to it. I like it. End of soapbox. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm convinced. Killmonger rules, but there's no villain problem. 
Uh, it, okay, so we're running long, right? Uh, we are. I, I, I just want to ask one final question, and that is, Ryan Coogler is an extremely accomplished director, but is he the only one in the MCU who's capable of of making these like really immersive? interesting worlds i mean he does such a good job in one movie of taking us totally into wakanda and wakanda forever we, we we learn about atlantis and that has rich background like marvel has tried to bring in other prestige level directors but you only need to go to your local walmart to see how bad prestige level directors can flop with Marvel movies because I don't think that they will ever sell all of the Marvel legends sprites or uh crow whatever the bad things from Eternals because it was just a boring movie. Yes. We'll get there. I disagree. <laughs> no. no. Right. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That 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 that's going to be our biggest argument yet. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> Part of it is yes, flawless world building, but also I think the reason that people care about this or it like he pulls it off is because of the emotion and the the like every man or like pulling in something that anyone can relate to. Like I was talking with someone who who this movie is more about the familial, like the father-son relationship. Um, uh -huh. there, you're just, there's all of this, and I guess that kind of goes back to the nuance of like building up the villain. Just throughout it, there's so much emotion and intricate storytelling, not just in the world building, but throughout like every ounce of this story is so thought out, which I think leads to a great world versus something like my favorite. Well, actually, this might be more than Thor, but like Ragnarok. It's more of a romp. This is just fun. This is silly. You can tell a lot of it is ad-libbed. There's no room for the intricacy. Sure. Um, so I, I, I think other directors can pull off a great movie, but I don't think anyone else is pulling off such depth. I I think that this is again one of the better ones. Mm -hmm. One of my main draws for a lot of things is big expansive world. Yeah. And so obviously that's kind of what draws me into the Marvel movies and keeps me enjoying them despite a lot of people kind of burning out on them. And getting me into comics more, where it's just like an infinite amount of information I can ingest and learn more about this fictional world. And it's a similar reason why we, Davis, have had many conversations of how I like the Star Wars prequels. <laughs> because it's just more lore that I can ingest in this weird sci-fi world. And so I I do feel like a lot of the other MCU movies, they have different strengths. I think this is like 
the culture represented in this movie is definitely one of the more compelling kind of representations we get in terms of world building and the commentary uh, like added to the world makes it a thousand times more compelling and so i i think this movie does kind of jump up past your typical marvel movie because of all of that right but i i you do see like little sprinkles like i don't necessarily i do think the casino scene brings it down a little bit when they go to korea oh i like it i i like it too but that seems more typical mcu to me yes. okay yeah um yeah and you mentioned in your notes that you shared with us like there's some jokes that kind of seem out of place like the what are those thing and the Yeesh, yes. do you want my soundcloud link where those jokes might not age as well and they already kind of haven't aged that well and but you can tell there's like a pause in the movie where you know you're supposed to laugh <laughs> yes at it and like i think that's more of like a typical mcu thing and so i do think that they try to sprinkle that in but i think what they've done with this movie it really like stands out compared to a lot of the the mcu besides all those sort of things right okay i'm 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 with it um i i want more different stuff in the mcu but again I I can't even tell you how excited I was to have Chloe Zhao directing a movie for the MCU. And we got a very okay movie. Uh, I think or... saying something similar, maybe the issue is Ryan Coogler seemed to have more free reign on making it his movie with MCU sprinkled in. And Eternal uh -huh. seems more like it's an MCU movie with Chloe Zhao sprinkled in. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Kind, kind of getting back to the to our Ragnarok discussion of is it a Tycho film or is it an MCU film? Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. That 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 that's all I wanted to touch on. In, in any other like parting shots, uh, I just want to know your guys' favorite parts of the movie. Ooh, I'll I'll I'll, I'll tell you my biggest laugh every time. All right. When so in Korea, when they're having the car chase, and Claw explodes the car that Nakia and uh, Okoye are in. And we see Okoye flying through the air, using her spear to like harpoon a car door that she then lands on and, and skids down the hill. And then like five seconds later, we see Nakia ju just in, like just in the chair of the car that just exploded all around her. And she's still holding the steering wheel. That makes me yeah. laugh every time. <laughs> That's a good one. 
there's the classic vegetarian line too. I'll feed you to my children. Oh yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. We're vegetarian. <laughs> oh great. Um, I think my favorite is Kill is Killmonger and T'Challa watching the sunrise. Oh, that is a good and scene. I that wasn't cried. funny at all. It, it, was, it was like my favorite scene of the movie. And uh I I was telling James afterwards, I was like, I every time this part just on so many levels hits me. There are like ten emotions and ten reasons or more. I don't know. It's just like it is an incredible scene. And it's so hard. And I hate it and I love it. And it's ugh. Yeah, that one's good. Um Oh, I there's so many good parts. I I mean the uh the fights for who can take on the mantle of Black Panther. Oh, yeah. They're brutal. I I could not believe I was like, man, these are more brutal than I remember. And like I I knew Black I knew T'Challa was going to win against Mbaku, but I was like, man, they he really like Yeah. Fights him for it. Yeah. Seriously. And then um, also the reveal of when uh Killmonger fights T'Challa and you just realize, oh man, Killmonger is way bigger than him. Uh- <laughs> yes. And something that I have realized uh like Michael B. Jordan is a stacked individual, very just physically imposing. And in the lead up to Creed three, seeing him square up against Jonathan Majors, Jonathan Majors makes Michael B. Jordan look like 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 a, a JV, you know, <laughs> riding the bench guy. And it is crazy that Kang the Conqueror has like. 30 or 40 pounds on one of the most impressive bodies in the MCU. Yeah. Crazy. Agreed. Hey, this is weirdly reminding me. Sorry to turn it this way. Um, this this is going to have to be in another episode because we, ha- we are so long. <laughs> um, but many times recently as it has come up, like, what are your five... Uh, like celebrity crush or hall pass or however you want to call it. And so many of mine are MCU and Killmonger. Every time I'm like, number one, Michael B. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll go. I, now I feel like I want both of your lists. Um, so next, next at a, at a point in the future, I think it'd be hilarious and maybe do a, an MCU or whatever, but all right. Let's do it. Also, uh, we we talked about this, I don't know, three or four months ago at least. Uh, someone asked, who would each of us be from the MCU? And I uh, racked my brain since then. <laughs> um, Ryan, I don't want to give you the satisfaction of being Pip the Troll. And Corey, I don't want to limit you to Squirrel Girl because even though she's great – 
I feel like you often get typecast as the small, cute, lovable person, and you contain multitudes. And 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 I want to reward other uh, facets of your personality. So I continue to try and think of <laughs> you where to. I were gonna you know. call Nathan, but no. We'll figure it What's out that? eventually. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll 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 do Marvel Hall Pass and uh, you know who we are in the uh, in in Mar- in the world of Marvel. Some other episode. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, uh, all things guys as well. Two two things I want to mention that relate to the comics in the movie. Cool that they uh, give Claw kind of like a more modern take on the the sonic sound hand yep um and then end credits we get uh bucky is back oh yeah and they've been uh what did you say cory no we're just screaming oh <laughs> um they keep calling him white wolf or they do that once i can't remember um which is sort of like Black Panther's adopted or half-brother, something like that in the comics. White brother. Yeah, who... He wants to be Black Panther. Exactly. He... Sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> um, and he has some interactions with him in the Christopher Priest run and just seems like a completely different character. And I'm very curious as to why they decided to mention Bucky was the white wolf at the end, because doesn't seem like they're going that way anymore based on, because he's kind of like a, he's kind of part of his father's legacy and he puts a little too much force when trying to enforce the Wakandan way and often is disagreeing with T'Challa. Yeah. And so I, I found that curious. I, I, I only learned about like the comic book version of the white wolf in, in prep for this episode, because like when I was watching the movie, they're like the white wolf. And I'm like, yeah, that's a cool nickname. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, then I found out like, yeah, so T'Challa had a white brother who wanted to ascend to the throne, and when he didn't get it, he became, like, the Wakandan KGB head. Yep. (laughs) All right. Um, I... Let let's just put a pin in it. There, 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 there's no elegant way to wrap this episode up. I had a lot of fun. Um, great movie. It excellent movie. Really enjoyed the comic books. Uh, I. I, I, I can't be trusted with hosting if, if we're going to try and get people to tune into our podcast. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but again, I had fun and that's why I do it. Uh, so thank you, Ryan and Corey for breaking this down with me. Thank you to our listener, uh, for making it through this far. And we will, we will see you again very soon for our next episode.